Welcome to the podcast for this week, the, the second week in Advent. And joining me today is, is, is Deaconess Deidre. Um, and um, she and I will discuss the epistle reading for this upcoming Sunday from the Book of Romans. But as usual, we will begin with our order of daily prayer found on page 296 in the Lutheran Service Book. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Listen to my prayer, O God. Do not ignore my plea. Hear me and answer me. Evening, morning, and noon. I cry out in distress, and he hears my voice. Cast your cares on the Lord, and he will sustain you. He will never let the righteous fall. Glory be to to the the Father, Father, and to to the the Son, and to to the the Holy Spirit, Spirit, as as it was was in the beginning, beginning, is now, now, and and will be forever. forever. Amen. Amen. So the uh, epistle reading for this Sunday, as I mentioned, is from Romans chapter 15, and it it fits rather nicely with the other two readings for this week, which focus on John the Baptist. And our hymn kind of revolves around the figure of John the Baptist, too. And that's true of every, every year in the church year. It's the second and third Sundays of Advent tend to have that focus on John the Baptist. I don't know if you ever noticed that that pattern or not. Now I noticed it. <laughs> no, I think it's good to have that come back because there were many people pointing to Christ. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that, and it's good. I guess that's why the liturgy works so well. It reminds us at the right time what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and in, in choosing the hymns, I, I think that's why it, it, it became so obvious to me is there's a lot of, we have a lot of nice Advent hymns that yes, talk about John the Baptist. We're going we're gonna, to uh, cover one later, um, but there's, there's several others, and I guess I'll mention those in context when we get, get to talk right. about the hymn later in the podcast here. But um, our reading is from Romans 15, as I mentioned. Deidre and I have both kind of looked at this reading a little, little bit and have some reflections uh, to share with you uh, about that. Um, would you like to do the reading? Um, sure, I um, will. Yeah, and if, and if, you ju- if we just perhaps maybe want to take like, like half of it and then discuss that half and then, and then finish it up, we could do it that way. Starting in verse, verse 4? Correct, correct. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. Every time when a new reading comes up and we've heard them over and over again, the older you get, things just pop out at different times. They, they seem so like, was that always there? I don't remember it. And, you, and you've overlooked it all these yes. times. Well, I have, your, I... your personal circumstances have changed mm-hmm. for whatever reason, age or experience or both, that you see something, that you feel it just differently. And this was, uh, it's a great reading. <laughs> well, and, and plus in the, in the uh, context of your studies, because you, you, you've got these ongoing studies, I think yeah. that's, that's allowing you to think about these readings in a, in a different way, in too. In a deeper way, in yeah. In a deeper yeah. way, yeah. And how, how God connects what's going on in, in Scripture or who uh, people who have written either Old Testament or New Testament and how it all connects 
and then again how it connects to us today which is just really really great <laughs> so is what is the theme that you kind of pull out of this this first section i mean paul so many times in the epistles uh talks about encouragement i mean yeah, from all yeah. the congregations he's writing to it seems like that's the that's the overarching theme is he's always trying to encourage them not to lose hope and to you know to hold to the faith exactly and and endure which implies there's something to be endured i mean it's just not all you're not just skating free you it's 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 hard work well that, that's and it's suffering mm -hmm. suffering is mm -hmm. clearly going to be part of the picture which no one really likes to hear but that does go also with this penitential season we're supposed mm -hmm. to be reminded that Things are not going to be easy for ourselves and for the Christian church as a whole, you know? And so that made the God of endurance and encouragement after he's saying that they already have endured and they have encouraged each other. He is saying that the God of endurance and encouragement grants uh, to let, wants us to live in harmony with one another. And that is a part of that, that, that stuck, well, it goes into the next mm -hmm. section about the harmony with the world. I mean, as, as far as trying to live together peacefully. That it's hard to, to, it's a difficult thing when you believe differently than everyone else. It's easy just to kind of <laughs> hang out with people that you feel comfortable with, mm -hmm. but that's not really real life or shouldn't be as a Christian. <clears throat> and I, you, you put your finger on something else. It's, it, He's called the God of endurance and encouragement. I don't remember another place where he actually describes God exactly. in that way. Yeah, um, yeah. And, and maybe it's because pantheon, pantheism was so rampant then. Sure. And, and that, that being that you know, there, there are multiple gods or, or, or um, uh, they, they maybe worshiped pagan gods, but this is so unique that, that this God is a God of endurance and encouragement unlike a lot of their their, oh, yeah. their pagan gods right which right. are probably vengeful or you know certainly yes. of, constantly needing whatever their well, sacrifices <laughs> or whatever yeah right right high maintenance <laughs> really compared to a god of compassion and mercy as, right, as, as right. we view god yeah and and also it does remind us like god puts up with us i mean he is enduring and he isn't compassionate and he is encouraging us knowing that who we are and he knows we're sinners it's, it's, you know and he and you know his love endures forever we mm -hmm. talk about that when we say prayers so it's it that's what i mean it just like all of a sudden these words and things just really gelled for me it was pretty amazing <laughs> um okay should we should we uh go ahead and and read uh, a larger larger section of the, the the rest of it perhaps sure you want me to read it then? sure yeah. yeah go ahead for i tell you that christ became servant to the circumcised to show god's truthfulness in order to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs and in order that the gentiles might glorify god for his mercy as it is written therefore i will praise you among the gentiles and sing your name and again it is said rejoice o gentiles with his people and again Praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let all the peoples extol him. And again, Isaiah says, The root of Jesse will come, even he who arises to rule the Gentiles. In him will the Gentiles hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, 
so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. There's so many references to the Gentiles yes. in this section, but yet, but yet uh, in one of the commentaries I looked at, they, was, it was, they were very clear to remind us that really Christ came to, to, among the Jews mm -hmm. to minister to the Jews, but here it speaks so, so much of the Gentiles. Yes, yes. Well, I mean, at the beginning of that passage, in order to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs. So the people reading this, maybe the Romans were not, uh, well, they weren't Jewish perhaps, but they were also at least aware. And anyone like us that reads it, we connect the patriarchs with the Jewish faith, you know, that was held and endured and all that sort of thing. But that the promises given to the patriarchs, but then again, like you said, it includes the Gentiles. So from the beginning, God, he gave the words and the, and the covenant and everything to the, the, the Jewish people, mm -hmm. but didn't exclude, well, look at all those verses. They're all from the Old Testament that say Gentiles. <laughs> right, right. And he says it in, in other places in the epistles. Uh, he makes it a little bit more obvious that he, he came to save both Jews and Gentiles. Correct, correct. And, and to, to fulfill the, the promises given, as we know, the, the promises given in the Old Testament, but the, maybe the people reading this didn't, might not have known of those promises because they weren't as uh, familiar with them through the Old Testament. But there they are reminding the, the Jewish people and reminding us today, I think, especially those of us like myself that have grown up in the Lutheran Church in a, in a good Lutheran Christian church, that God came for, Christ came for everyone, even the people who aren't like me. <laughs> yeah, so his, his reference to the patriarchs, you, you're, you're kind of implying that that's a, that, would, that would have been kind of a common understanding. Um, the, the, they were talking about the Old Testament, no matter what their, right. what their knowledge of was of the Old Testament, but where maybe it's one of those places then where he's assuming mm -hmm. that they that they're already coming to him, um, that he can speak to them this way, and they would understand what he means by that reference that he's that he's talking about the Old Testament. I think so. I think that that would make this would have connected it perhaps to the Jewish people, reminding them that they had these promises, mm -hmm. but also telling the Gentiles like us, we're not, we don't have that bloodline that comes through. Or most of us don't, right? You know, and that, but and but but we have the promises, and that makes and 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 our baptism makes us children of God, even though we're Gentiles. Yeah. yeah. And then, but that these verses, these quotes from the Old Testament, just again and again, they are encouraging because that includes us today. In that, in that, <clears throat> in, in God's love and His forgiveness and, and salvation. And which is how then it ends. So the God of, um, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. Hope is a big theme through some of this, I think. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Which I, I, like what you were saying, the pantheon, the people that believed in the various gods weren't sure of their future because it depended on the God of that God was feeling that day or whatever. Or maybe the, the, the mediators, the priests that mm -hmm. were kind of like mediators between the people and, 
and those those gods, those right. pagan gods. Right, right. But this is like a, we have hope and we have the assurance of, well, why would he say we would be filled with joy and peace in believing if we if that was were not a you know an assured thing? It's just it's a very powerful passage, I think. And he actually, when he uses the description of the Jewish people, he says, "I became a servant to the circumcised." I think that's what you were referring mm -hmm. to early, the, earlier about about the bloodline. Maybe maybe you weren't part of of that bloodline of the Jewish people. Right, right. Um, and, but, but it doesn't matter because he came to save everyone. Right. And then, um, yeah, I came for the lost sheep of Israel, so the ones that didn't get it, and also for the Gentiles too, right? Um, well, and then in the other place, I uh, came to the Jew first and then the Gentile. It, did, it includes everyone. <laughs> and, and I do think that's overlooked today if you're a, if you want to say good lutheran you just think only good lutherans will be in heaven it's the people. <laughs> <laughs> and they will well but there will be other right. christians because christians are like i like this is these are other people who also believe in christ as their savior um the fact that he mentions gentiles so many times yeah. it's 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 almost like an evangelism sermon I, in a way. Exactly. Did you, did exactly. you hear it that way? I did yeah. too. And, and, and I think if you're aware, when you're reading it, those verses, they're from the Old Testament. I don't really think, like in my mind, Jews and Gentiles and the conflict, or Gentiles given that name, is a New Testament thing. I, I mean, most often it comes up that way. Mm -hmm. But when you realize how many different kinds of people throughout the Old Testament, these... Jewish people lived amongst so many people, and it was easier for them, easier for them to try to keep to themselves. And think, well, our God's great. Too bad about yours, you know. When it's not that way at all, it really needs to be, yeah, Gentiles, the world over, and the and the promise goes to them. It really does seem like so many verses <laughs> from the Old Testament. Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned that 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 those are from. Those are all pulled forward for, uh, or pulled. He went back to the Old Testament to pull those forward. Yeah, yeah. Um, that there was, it was like an there was an awareness already then that there would be this exactly. conflict, this this distinction between Jew and Gentile that would be that would be problematic. Yeah. In Jesus' time in the New Testament and for the early church, that people would focus on that on that differentiation, but but. He, Jesus didn't, and Paul spent a lot of time yeah. trying to refute that notion that, that we this is this is not a, a valid distinction. We're right, we're right. all saved. Right, right. We're all sinners, and we're all saved. You know, we we well, he's writing to people in Rome, and there were probably Jewish believers among them, but they were new converts that didn't have if you want to say the luxury of knowing some of these verses and wondering if how is they how are they to fit in to this uh, this salvation story, if you want to call it that, you know how are they supposed to fit in? What was what was their role? But then calling uh, and, and bringing to their attention how many times they were, if you want to look at it that way, they wouldn't have known them as Romans in the Old Testament, but Gentiles, mm -hmm. but they were included from the very beginning, as you said. And, and, and that's important. I, I, I guess I didn't think about that, that if they were unchurched, 
they wouldn't necessarily know that background of the Old Testament exactly. like, the, like the Jews would have exactly. been as familiar with it. So he's, he's trying to preach to a very broad audience. Yes, yes. And, 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 and both sides reminding, as you said, the circumcised, that, that set them apart. I mean, awkward as that is, but that set them apart. And they, they were happy about that. But it's like, wait, I'm talking to you, or God is talking to you and to the people you know you're all at this point after christ then we're all you know there's no distinction right and and that if I, if i were a new christian living in rome that would be very meaningful to me to know i'm not a, a second class citizen really in the in the in the believing world if you want to say i'm 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 equal to everyone else in that regard and this would have, I, you don't happen to know, uh, probably when this was written, was it written in, this, in the, um, maybe this, the 60s or well, 70s when, when, um, when Paul wrote? Um, well, according uh, this, to the, uh, this reference, it says date AD 55. 55 already. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So that's, that's not that long uh, after the events right, right. Uh, of the crucifixion. So when you think about, it being only you know a couple of decades, right. that's really not a long time for this whole new teaching to to take hold, right? And people questioning some of the um, well, if you come to faith, you have questions, especially you're comparing you, you should, what you, you should, yes, yeah. yeah, and 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 then I think in, a, in something like that, you don't you shouldn't if you've had a Christian faith your whole life, you should not be complacent about it. You should be able to to question not question faith but question you know read the scriptures and look for things and i think that that's it seems like that's what paul was really trying to say you asked you're included in all of this <laughs> god is that big well and and given that it is from that time period he he probably intended it to be like a um, like a mission it's, it was part of the mission of mm -hmm. the, the the early mission of the church in that first exactly. century. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that's why we, well, in Sunday school you study, or in, somewhere along the line you've got the, the travels of Paul, and you look at all the places that he visited, and then when he got to the next place or wherever he was, then he wrote letters to them and thank the Lord that we have those letters to read, because I, I think what's amazing is how appropriate they are for us today i mean they sh i shouldn't be amazed but it's like you read it and you think it, it could be written right now mm -hmm. not just to those people of that that ad 55 you know and then we just look at it as history it's both you know and that the god of endurance and encouragement well we need to hear that right now we need to know that he's he's encouraging us <laughs> we are to encourage each other actually so and that, and that so much of the New Testament is, I mean, consists of these letters. Yeah. Well, and, and I've often um, wondered about, you know, how the church developed these patterns of, well, how do we decide what, what readings we want to include in worship? Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that the church, in its wisdom, kind of came to the decision that, okay, um, the, the epistles, the letters are important enough. We should definitely hear one of something from that every should be read every week in the church service right, right. and that and then another component that this is the gospel reading that there's something from the life of, of you know of christ from one of the gospels right, i yeah. mean that makes 
perfect sense. I mean, this is a Christ-centered church, yeah, and so yeah. we sh should hear something uh, of that. Um, do, do you recall um, from the old hymnal that that was that was kind of how the liturgy was laid out, and there was no there was no Old Testament included? Do, do you remember that? Yes, and and um, yeah, there wasn't. And I actually, in in the the short time I was able to spend in Germany, they don't usually have an old, I mean, well, they or, still don't. or yeah, yeah. So, and, and they can bring it in, but the readings do not include the, like we have the, the wealth of information, the old Testament, the epistle and the gospel that we hear every Sunday. And it, it didn't seem like something, they do also a song. It might be a, a bigger chunk of it than we might do, but yeah, I think it's, I, I, I am, I am thankful that the readings do include the epistles. Because you kind of, when you think of them as actual letters, or sometimes just read straight through, don't stop at all the verses and all that, and you just see, oh, this is a letter of a guy that really cares about the people that he's writing to. And then, I mean, Romans is very long, even for a letter. <laughs> <laughs> but there's so much he's trying to cover. So like you said, yeah, he's really addressing people that could have heard about what's going on. They want to know. And he's not, in this case, not assuming that they know, which is good because it's very instructional for us. I'm, we're not as well-versed in the Old Testament right. as maybe we could be or should be. I don't know. Right. So we get, we get a, a kind of a reminder of, of Christ's words in the, or Christ's actions, whatever it may, may be yeah. in the gospel reading. Yeah. We get this encouragement from one of Paul's letters, and then we get the Old Testament, the prophecy, which it, it always amazed me that, that that they thought, well, that's that's something we can do without. We don't need to have yeah. an Old Testament yes, reading. Right. And, and I, I think that's definitely something we profited from um, from the liturgical era, you know, the, the, the mid-20th century and the changes in the lectionary yes. and all, and all yeah. that, that they thought it was prudent to make sure we had an Old Testament reading definitely. every week too. And and if you noticed, there's a, there they are always tied very closely to the gospel reading, usually yes, the psalm yes. and the gospel reading. So they make a nice set. Um, and then for, for certain times of the year, the, the epistle fits in there pretty nicely. And, and this one does for this, yes, this was, particular yes. year. But, but there's other times where there's just a chunk, a larger chunk of the epistles that's, that's read over uh, you know, a span of maybe five or six weeks, say during the summer or something like that, that really has nothing to do with the other two readings, but they want to make sure that it gets, mm -hmm. it, it gets that heard in church. That we the word, actually. Yeah. Because if, if you are doing um, family or home personal devotions, then that can give you something to think about, knowing what the readings are. And sometimes different parts of the Bible will grab your attention at different times of your life or times of the week, whatever. And I, you're right. Then you have all the, the the whole, like all the facets that 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 God's word will address some way or the other. Yeah, yeah, and and, and uh, unfortunately, over a three-year time, even with all those different readings over a three-year cycle, we still don't get all of Scripture um, heard in right. those in those three right. years because there's so much. Um, that's what I think has been one of the great things about when we've done these reading programs. Um, oh, yeah. You know, reading sure. your way all the way through a book or a certain exactly. part of the Bible, because I know I know it's it's got me into the into the corners of the Bible that I I've, I've never heard this passage before. Right, right. Or to see how they do connect, like this one verse in this one, Isaiah says, "The root of Jesse will come, even who 
he who arises to rule the Gentiles in him will the Gentiles hope. But the root of Jesse, that, even though this is a letter to Romans and who knows what time of the year it was written or whatever, but we hear about the root, about Jesse and the everything this time of year. Right. So I'm, I'm wondering if that's really why, in, in addition to God's word and his salvation is for everyone, that's an obvious and, and important message and the hope that we, that we have as Christians. But then this brings us back to this Advent time of year the Advent time of year of the root of Jesse. I don't know. We yeah, hear about yeah, the no, Jesse. I, I, I Did think you you're, I think you're right. I think I'm, I'm quite sure that that's why it was was chosen for this Sunday because the Old Testament reading for this Sunday begins right there. There shall come forth a yes. shoot from the stump of Jesse. So it right. ties it really nicely mm -hmm, together. Mm -hmm. And and perhaps the people reading this in Rome, who knew? Yeah, what who if, knows yeah, what if, if they know who Jesse is or what? You know, like what what is that? But at the, end of that will catch their attention where it says in him will the gentiles hope like that's that's where they're going to grab onto okay. and then the deeper they get in their own faith like just like we are we can make those connections and they'll say oh i see what you mean by the root of jesse and then the old testament you know we have the luxury of hindsight <laughs> if you want to say and we can connect it well in the references to the patriarchs i think that as you said, and then and then with ending with that last, uh, this mm -hmm. is the hope for all the Gentiles. I'm, you know, as a, as a a sermon, you know, should be well written. There should be a good tell them what I tell them what you told them. You know, <laughs> exactly. at, at the end of it, and I, I think he yep. does that so end well. And you, yeah. you know, pull it all together. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And and the encourage, uh, and, you know, there's so many things as you said in this passage that uh, endurance and encouragement pops out right away. But then you see all these other things. It's just amazing. Mm -hmm. It's fun to read it and see how God connects. Uh, so as I mentioned earlier in uh, our, our podcast today, that the uh, focus for this week and then the next week, that is the second and third weeks of Advent, is often on John the Baptist. And that's true when no matter what church year we're in. Right now in the three-year cycle, we're in, the, we're in the A year. So, okay, um, right. But for all three years, that 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 applies. Well, even if we're using, we were using the one-year readings, that's that's true. That it's it's the, the focus is John the Baptist, and so um, when you think of John the Baptist hymns, um, w which ones come to your to your mind right away? Um, well, on Jordan's banks. On Baptist, Jordan's banks, the Baptist, the, ba the Baptist cry, right? Okay. Um, uh, well, yeah. Sorry about that. Yeah. No, no. no. Well, I, like, comfort, comfort, yes, comfort. Oh, yes. my people. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think Advent. I like the hymns of Advent so much. Well, they're they're very meaningful, and and it's yeah, uh, yeah. yeah it's it's. I think unfortunately, in a lot of places they get uh, they get uh, ignored because everyone's thinking about Christmas. They want right. to do Christmas hymns. They can't wait, but there's plenty of time for that. There's these great <laughs> Advent hymns. Um, exactly. Um, so one that you, that may not be in your in your top ten list, but it's certainly a, a good Advent hymn, and it's one of about John the Baptist is one called When All the World Was Cursed. And if you have a Lutheran service book uh, handy, it's number 346, uh, When All the World Was Cursed. Um, this was written originally um, for the, um, the Nativity of St. John the Baptist, which is a, a you know, special feast day in the, mm -hmm. in the church year. Um, we observe them 
when they <laughs> happen to fall on a Sunday here, but otherwise you know, some of them just kind of slip by. That normally falls uh, on June 24th. Um, I don't remember the last time it, it fell on a Sunday and we observed it here, but I, I know we have. Yes. Um, but because in a lot of places these, these feast days don't get celebrated, a hymn like this wouldn't get sung. So what the, what the editors of the hymnal decided to do is, well, this is a perfectly good hymn about John the Baptist. Oh, okay. Let's put it in the Advent ah, section because okay. then people will actually remember it's there. So do you think it was originally written then for St. John, you know, like to be yeah. sung in June? Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, that's what I discovered. Oh. And not only that one, but also Comfort, Comfort, Oh My People was originally just... intended for that particular feast day, which is a great hymn. You should do it and see if that'll startle people. Why are we singing this in June? <laughs> <laughs> well, if it, uh, I should go back and look at, at the uh, at the times when we have uh, observed that and see if we did sing it. Sure, it's, why not? As I said, it's 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 been a while, but but this this happens. All the time, we have uh, feasts that, that seem to be out of season. For example, the Annunciation to Mary falls mar in March. Right, right. Um, but people don't think of it then. No, no, they really don't. Unless they do the math. But what a juxtaposition that is, is when you when you get that falling on Good Friday. You know, you <laughs> and, and, and it has happened. Wow. Um, yes. Uh, That's perfect. But yeah. it's another one of those examples of, of just being out of time, out right. of chronological time again. Exactly. And, uh, exactly. Just, uh, it, it plays with your mind a little bit, but it's it's the way God does things. Um, so when, when all the world was cursed uh, is is uh, the sermon hymn that we'll be using this Sunday because the focus is uh, John the Baptist. And uh, what's interesting about uh, the the author of, of this hymn, um, Johann Gottfried Oliarius, um, he was he was the nephew of another Johann Oliarius who wrote Comfort, Comfort. Oh my goodness. So as it turns out, those, those two John the Baptist hymns came from the same family. Wow. And, and you'll appreciate this, Deidre, because you spent a lot of time in, in, in Leipzig. Um, uh, for those of you listening to the podcast who didn't know that, uh, you, were, you were there a year? Or was uh, about it 14, 15 months. Okay. Yeah, a yes. year and a half almost. Working with our, our, our partner church in Germany doing, doing mission work. Yeah, great. And actually, Johannes talk is celebrated there, and people use that that jo, uh, Saint John. Oh, that June, that June holiday. Yeah, they call June twenty. When, when you said June twenty fourth, I knew that because okay. that's when, you know, the it, it, with lore, you know, certain berries are ripe by that day, or you have to whatever. It was always interesting that there, even the people that were not involved in the church knew that those days. So. Johannes Tag would to be John's day. You know, isn't that interesting? But I don't remember singing this, so I'm excited. <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay. Well there there's there's even there are even more connections here because um uh he um was was born in Halle oh. and Halle is very near very yeah, near Leipzig. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I would say probably they're almost those those two two urban areas have almost sort of grown together, haven't Correct. they? Correct. Yeah, very close. Yes, yes. And um, um, he was his father was a pastor, um, and uh, his uncle um, was again. He he wrote a, another Advent text, so um, he came from a family of teachers and hymn mm -hmm. writers, and so I, it was it was definitely a, yeah. a a family craft for for sure. And he also went on to um, um, 
study at the University of Leipzig, so he has a connection to that area, wow. and uh, was a pastor later at, I, I think the name of the parish was St. Mary's in Halle. I don't know if you, did you visit Halle? Yes, I was able frequently to. Frequently at very, all when you were there? Um, a couple times. There is a very good, as you said, I was involved with our sister church with whom we're in altar and pulpit mm -hmm. fellowship, so the pastor there in Halle, and I don't really remember. Sometimes it retains the name of the parish from before the Lutheran Church was able to use that oh, church. I, Just I, like I, in, in Leipzig, it's um, Trinity Church, Trinity Congregation, but it's worshiping in St. Lucas. Mm -hmm. So that, but in Halle, yes, and that, that's a known place for uh, back in Lutheran history, actually, for theologians and people that study there. So yes, the church there is this, it's amazingly thick uh, stone walls, but if you looked at it from the outside, you'd see they built up modern, Germany has just such a connection of modern and old, and it was there, but very good acoustics, you'd love it. <laughs> <laughs> well, Halle, Halle is also famous because that was the birthplace of, of, of Handel, George okay. Frederick Handel, the, yes. the composer of Messiah, yeah. and and um, joy to the world and sure, you know, if, sure. uh, whatever. Um, but yeah, there, it's, it's amazing. There was something, something in the water in that part of Germany. In that part of Saxony, that it, that it gave, I can Yeah, that it, that, it, that it gave birth to Bach and it gave birth to, to, to Handel. And, and remarkably, those two never met each other in their lifetimes. I always find that to be the most remarkable thing, that, uh, right, right. that those two giants of, of that particular period, almost exact contemporaries, and they never, they never bumped into each other. Yeah, that seems odd, very odd. <laughs> So we, we throw those names around like they should know each other. <laughs> <laughs> the, um, the composer of the music here, um, Asaversus Fritsch, was also from that same, er uh, same area of, of Halle. He mm -hmm. attended a, a gymnasium, which is the equivalent for us is like a high school. Correct, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, also in Halle. So they, they were from that same area. Somehow they connected and, and, and the poetry and the and the tune married up here. Wow. But the name of the tune, did you notice the name of the tune? Oh, in German. Was yeah. In all yeah, the was ich nach der Welt, which, which, which very often German uh, hymns are named for the first yeah. phrase. Right. Well, if you translate that out of the German, what you get is, what, what do I expect or what do I ask of the world? Right, which, is yeah, the other, yeah. which is the other famous text that is typically paired with this tune, what, is the, what is the world to me? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You, you know, you know the hymn, but in this case, it was it was paired with this uh, John the Baptist text. So originally, I'm I'm uh, I'm going to assume that the Was Fragi nach der Welt, what do I ask of the world, was the first text. It was the first yeah. one. They just used that tune. Yeah, yeah sure. And sure. that's not unusual. There's a there's a lot of hymns that originate that way. Um, Stephen Starkey, who is a Lutheran pastor and wrote a lot of new, newer hymns for right, our right. hymnal here, he has said that that's, that that's always his starting point when he's writing new poetry for hymns, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. is there's a tune in his head, and then the words are, are poured, into, are poured oh. into that tune that's already in his head, mm -hmm. which I, I think is the easier way to do it, because yeah. sometimes we get into trouble when we try to take a piece of poetry and then match it to a piece yeah. of music, and then the accents don't line up, and mm -hmm, the number mm -hmm. of syllables don't mm -hmm. line up, and, and you get into a lot of thorny problems, and you have to compromise one or the <laughs> other. So um, I think his approach works very well. Yes. Um, there's, there's some, uh, 
real wonderful content to the, to the um, poetry of this text. It reminds us of who John the Baptist is. Well, who is John the Baptist? In, in stanza two at the end, we're reminded, he testified of him of whom the prophets told. So it, 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 it reminds us that, yeah, he was, the, he was the forerunner of Christ. Right, right. And then in stanza, in stanza three, um, in the third line we have there, behold the Lamb of God who takes away our sin. Well, that's almost a paraphrase of the Agnus Dei or exactly. Lamb of God that we have yes. in the liturgy. And, and I don't know if, if everybody has ever noticed that, but in the margins of the hymnal, there's little scripture references. And so yes. that, is, that is where we get that text from, is that same passage of John. And then uh, the, the last stanza is a little bit more devotional in its, uh, in its, uh, in its message, a kind of just a reflection of, oh, what does this all mean for us? Right, right. Um, that um, um, gladly we may walk upon our Savior's way until we live with him in his eternal day. Um, and as often the case, there's that looking forward to the yes. joys of heaven yes. at the end of the hymn. It's remarkable how many hymns end that way. I don't know if you've noticed that. No, it's true. And I, I think it's uplifting then to know you're singing what people have sung before. I mean, there is tradition involved, but we've all, we all live with that hope. We look forward. I mean, we know what the mire that we're living in now keeps pulling us down, but but we should look ahead. We should look ahead because God has given us that hope to look ahead. Yeah, and hope and we, encouragement. Yeah, it fits exactly. wonderfully with with our Romans <laughs> exactly. study of Romans, and uh, and I think as as we get older too, you know, it's it's uh, you know we start to think about about. Um, how, how brief life really is. No kidding. And especially in these in these recent days where we lost three members in the span of two days. Right. That right. that, that at, at any time we could be called home and right. we, we don't know when that when that time is. And then, and then that just this cements how important it is to stay in the word and in in this case hymns that use the word, but also you know tell us the story, but also as you said point us to our eternal our eternal home. Um, so it's just kind of a kind of a uh, preview of Sunday. Um, would you sing with me? Um, let's do stanzas one and four. All right. Okay. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> when all the world was cursed by Moses' condemnation, Saint John the Baptist came with words of consolation. With true forerunner's zeal, the greater one he named, and him as yet unknown, as Savior he proclaimed. O grant, dear Lord of love, that we receive rejoicing, the word proclaimed by John, our true repentance voicing, that gladly we may walk upon our Savior's way until we live with him in his eternal day. Before we, we leave our discussion of this, um, I should add that uh, it first appeared in print in 1644, 
And I think this hymn is probably a very, uh, likely a very exclusive province of Lutherans and probably our, oh. our stripe of Lutherans because it, it, in, um, it was first translated for the Lutheran hymnal, the old hymnal, in 1941, so that was its first appearance in, oh. in English in a translation. Okay. So it's not something that's um, widespread across uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Christendom that they would know this hymn. Well, um, they should. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's a, it, and it's it's a very fine hymn. So, but yeah. probably just not not real widely known. Uh, the 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 tune. The tune certainly either, uh, but it's you know it's one of those German tunes that yeah. we. I think it's it's a you know an attractive tune that we've we've kind of rescued from. Yeah, from, yeah. Um, I'm glad that it is because it. Well, I'm familiar with it, but mm -hmm. then I'm old, so older. <laughs> I'm older, but it is. It's very, yeah. It's not too difficult to sing, and it the the tune, the melody, and then then therefore some of the words can keep coming back. Mm -hmm. I like hymns that do that. Mm -hmm. I don't always remember all of the words, but you know phrases, and that's that's what we need to yeah. remind us. <laughs> yeah, my foggy memory tells me that maybe maybe Bach um, might have have oh, included this in one of his one of his cantatas because he would have oh, known yeah. it. Now, not all the uh, not all the uh, chorales that he used in his cantatas are ones that have have survived to right, this day. Right. I mean, you'll run across some, and you think, okay, well, Bach's church. They may have recognized that hymn, but we don't know that hymn I anymore. I don't know what that is. And there's, there's quite a few German hymns that have just kind of faded into mm -hmm. obscurity because no one sings them anymore. And it's not, that's not all bad because some of them, quite frankly, they aren't really interesting tunes. And, and, it, and it's okay. You have to let some things go because there's some other treasures out there, right, some newer right. things that, that find their way into the hymnal. And that's, that is one thing that I, I uh, one little uh, gem of, of of uh, knowledge that I picked up from a hymnal editor, and she said, uh, "She said, yeah, with every new hymnal, something gets left behind." Yeah, yeah. It's it, sad but true. But there's there's so many new treasures out there right, that you have right. to just make those decisions, those difficult decisions. <laughs> I'm glad that one stood the test of time, though. That's a good one. <laughs> um, so we uh, we continue with the litany from the daily prayer. O Lord, have mercy upon us. O Christ, have mercy upon us. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Our Father, Father who, who art, art in heaven, heaven hallowed be thy name. Thy, thy kingdom come, thy will, will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Blessed Lord, you have caused all holy scriptures to be written for our learning. Grant that we may so hear them, read, mark, learn, and take them to heart, that by the patience and comfort of your holy word, we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. Please join us for worship this weekend. Our worship opportunities are at 8 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. on Sunday, and on Mondays at 6.30 p.m.